Good evening, Patriots, and it's February 16th, Wednesday in the year 2022. We are really in an interesting time, as we all know, and we probably say that too much, but in a reflective way, it's so important that we continue to keep our focus on where it should be, always towards Christ, always towards God. In the midst of all of this craziness, We can never take our eyes off of that because that is our reason for being here, to pursue such a world and such a walk and such a time, to be helping one another, to be raising up one another so that God's army stands boldly and strong. Before we begin tonight, MyPillow.com, MyPillow.com, that's the home of our favorite CEO, Patriot and man who walks with Christ. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the MyPillow site homepage for Bards Nation. Your promo code is Bards, B-A-R-D-S. I have a brief message here from Mike Lindell. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Retailers, shopping channels, and now even banks have tried to cancel myself and MyPillow. Well, during these times, your support has meant everything to us. So my employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you by passing the savings directly on to you. We're selling the best products ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have my standard size MyPillow, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. Or you can get custom fit with my premium queen size my pillows, regularly $79.98, now just $29.98. Or my king size, regular $89.98, now just $34.98. So go to mypillow.com now and use the promo code on your screen or call the 1 800 number below to receive this exclusive offer. If you do it right now, I'm going to include a free gift with your purchase. Thank you, and God bless. And that 800 number is 800-975-2939. 800-975-2939. Your promo code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. Your home landing page is mypillow.com forward slash BARDS. And you can use the promo code anywhere on the MyPillow site, the MyStore site, and the frankspeech.com site. And when you use your promo code right now, with any purchase, you're going to get a free copy of Mike Lindell's book, in his story and how an addict became one of the greatest CEOs in our time, if in fact, in our nation's history, a man who found that way through Christ. Also, thefoundersbible.com, thefoundersbible.com. That is the Bible for our time. You use your promo code there for 20% off on these Bibles. They're printed in the United States. They are an heirloom quality edition Bible. They are an NASB 1995 edition with our founder's documents worked in. It's a brilliant edition and a brilliant version of the Bible with just such a richness in what our country's history is and a richness in what God's word is. So check that out, thefoundersbible.com, promo code BARDS. Finally, Expedition, X-P-E-D, expeditioncoffee.com. That's the BARDS branded coffee for BARDS Nation a coffee that is designed specifically to boost your health and energy throughout the day. One cup will sustain you for the whole day. I'm, I'm a particular coffee drinker, and this one has really won my heart. And um, so it's a product that was designed by, in part by Dr. Eric Naputi for such a time as this, literally. And it goes together with a variety of other products on the website, which include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is a major problem of our health in this country. 
Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is an amazing product of nutrient booster for the whole body. And finally, we have Pure 47, which is the most refined silver extract on the market. Goes down to a nano level, has the ability to isolate most of the pathogens that are currently in our environment and keep you healthy and strong. All of these boost your immune system to give you back your health sovereignty. So again, check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. Patriots, I'd like to play a piece tonight to begin from Canadian Republican girl. If you remember, she was on the show, I believe, last week. And uh, she's just got a really solid voice. And I just want to put this in context because for her age, and she's in the Generation Z Gen Z group, and she's really speaking a a bold message here, not just for them and for everybody, but in particular in Canada. And I've just thought a lot of respect for her coming forward with this message. So take a listen to this. It'll kind of set us up for tonight. I want to share my opinion on why I think Canada has been one of the countries to suffer the most since the pandemic started. And I'm going to start by showing you a clip. Canada, keep your shield in front of you. Do not let it down. But they are focusing on you. This sermon is by a man named Kim Clement, and a lot of people believed him to be a prophecy. This sermon took place back in 2012. I don't know much about Kim. What I am going to say is I believe that he clearly saw Canada was in danger because we're such a worldly country. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world. Do not love anything in the world. If you love the world, your love for the Father is not there. And Canada as a country has forgotten about God and Christ long ago. And since then, we've gone downhill. I believe from a biblical stance that Canada is one of the, if not the, most worldly country. For those of you who believe in Christ, you've read your Bible and you know that a lot of what we're living through right now It's not ending anytime soon. And though it is extremely painful to admit that we know it's not going to get better, at least not for long if it does, we need to remember that as Christians, this is an extremely important time in history and we do need to be sharing Christ's love for others right now more than ever. I fully believe that. And that's something that I genuinely have failed at doing. Right now, we're living in what a lot of people call the Great Awakening. And I think in that Great Awakening, a lot of people are turning to Christ. I believe that the pandemic happened for God to reveal the evil in the world to us, to those who forgot or never knew to begin with. And over the last couple months, we have seen a lot of evil things happen. The Travis Scott concert, the way Christia Freeland's head was twitching behind Justin Trudeau, Heather McDonald collapsing on stage after mocking God and making some brutal comments about fertility. And that's just to name a few. I think that Canada is being punished. I think the whole world is. I think a lot of us, including myself, become so focused on the wrong battles that we're forgetting what the point of us being here is. I believe that if we don't do everything we do through Christ, I don't think it can truly be accomplished properly anyways. We need to be bringing God and country back. 
not just country. I know some people are gonna unfollow me for this post and that's okay. I know that I'm persecuted on a daily basis for my beliefs, I'm used to that. But this has been sitting with me for a while and I just really wanted to share that with you guys, so. If you don't follow her over on TikTok, and I think it's Republican Girl, if I'm not mistaken, it's Republican Girl 5.0, do follow her. She's really got some good stuff. She's also on TikTok. I'm sorry, Telegram. And she's been just really nailing it. I I enjoy her voice because she is providing a very clear perspective. She does really good research. And and this sort of presentation to an audience in Canada um, does tag her, and we know that that tags many when you do that. You suddenly, for some, become a Bible thumper, a Jesus freak. I'll take it all. That's good for me, and I don't mind. Nor should any of us, for that matter. One of our biggest challenges right now, I think, is that we are continue to try to find solution and resolution to these institutions of men. And that's not the way our country was set up. Our country was set up with God on the throne. And I touched on this in the last show, and I want to touch on it again now. The Declaration of Independence created one of the greatest trolls, literally, in the history of humankind, in my opinion. And it was this, and it reads, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Now, why I say troll is I'm going to explain it this way. You have to go back in history and realize that monarchs, kings, and and probably some queens were ruling across the known world. And we had a group of founders in this nation that boldly stuck their middle finger at these kings and said, we have a king too, but it's not you. It's not man. It's not of men. It's God. It's our creator. To be very clear, regardless of what our leftist propagandists will try to tell you, when it says creator, it was very specific. They were very clear about that. Creator was God. Our founding fathers, it's not a Judeo-Christian foundation. It's a Christian foundation. And for those of you, those that like to push that Judeo part, it's not true. Because they were rooted again and again in their worship of Christ. Not the Torah. So the point here is that in a very bold move, our founding fathers spoke to the world and spoke to all of Europe and said, Hey, y'all, you're nothing. We've got God as our king. We are a truly a theological monarchy in this country. You are nothing. Very, very bold move. But it's something that we have to really reflect upon because in this time, we too often want to see, constantly are seeing it. Who's going to resolve it for us? Trump. Who's going to resolve it for us? Some magic set of white hats. What's going to resolve it for us? The elections that have never been fixed, but somehow they're going to magically work. Who's going to fix it for us? The truckers. That's not the way this works. We have to, as God's children, we need to take our appeals to God. 
He's the ultimate judge in this. And we need to be seeking mercy for our nation and mercy for the time that we're at. And grace. We've long walked away from the model in which this country was built. And it was a truly unique experiment. Never before has a country, to anyone's knowledge, had God put on the throne above all people. And government was put as a subordinate to the people with the right of the people to overthrow that government if it became too bad. But that would mean that you also had to make an appeal to God because he's the ultimate ruler on overthrowing that government. That sort of belief and interplay doesn't happen now. People have, you just listen to people talk, read social media. Where does anybody say we need to take our appeals to God? We need to sit and pray and ask for God to give us guidance on where we are to go with this government. Where do we, where do we hear that? We don't. Instead, we hear, we're going to have a red wave. We're going to raise up these Republicans. These Democrats are all wrong. Last time I checked, God didn't have political parties. And there's no interest in political parties. Because within each party, there's good and there's bad and there's evil. We do need to bring back God first and country, not just flag and country. It isn't a point of racing to go forward with the musket. It's the point of first humbling ourselves before him, asking for forgiveness for the transgressions we've made, to seek a repentance for the nation. And it doesn't take all It takes a committed few. Gideon proves that. Gideon shows us that God took thousands and reduced it to 300. But what was unique about those 300? Among other things, one of the most important things is they were obedient to him. Our obedience to God right now is is critical. And God is working very hard in these motions to awaken people, to awaken many of his children. And it's a slow going because many are deep, deep within this matrix of lies. And because they've never had a relationship with God and never had an intimate relationship with Jesus, they don't know what to do other than to worship a state. For them, the idea when you talk about Jesus, you might as well be talking about Mars and building a swimming pool in the middle of one of Mars sinkholes. And it's that foreign to them. In fact, it's worse than that because there are many who have been abused through the churches. There are many who have been judged and ostracized through the churches because much of the church isn't doing a church's job. It's in a business of generating money and profits for a pastor. The church's role has been also long lost. Our churches of the origins of our nation were firebrands. Our pastors were firebrands. They were, the, they were the centerpiece of awakening to the imp, impact of tyranny and the need to stand up to tyranny. And it was understood that at certain times you had to make ultimate sacrifices. Today, churches are about compliance and being quiet and sitting, sitting peacefully and making sure you get along with everybody. Don't make any wakes. You're not going to get a deep understanding of Jesus when you're doing that in a pulpit. Sorry. 
and you're sitting in a pew getting that sort of message. Because that deep grittiness of Scripture comes from living. Doubt me, reflect on Paul, and just what a life he lived that God then chose to move forward. Or reflect on the people that Christ chose to sit with, taxpayers and prostitutes. It's profound. We need to very much be digging in to reaching as many as we can in this time. And that awakening is the beginning which should lead to a spiritual awakening, in my opinion. The great awakening is the beginning step of opening our eyes to the greater things that are going around us. But it should lead us all to an understanding that the great awakening is truly that relationship deep with Father to realize that everything that we are here is part and parcel with our relationship to him or lack thereof. We aren't going to get through this by the efforts of our own hand. When you look and you map out everything that's going on with the deep state, they have us way overmatched. And by all odds, and they believe this, there is no possible way that we can win. And that's where they're wrong, as long as we're true and trusting in Father. When we put our testimony before God, when we take our case to God and say, Lord, this is what we're seeking for our nation. This is what we're asking. This is the direction we want to go. This is the throne we want you to assume again. This is the place that we want as designed. And we don't know how to get there, and we don't necessarily know what, how it looks when it's there, but we know we want this. He's got it. But we have to be honest with that in our hearts and committed to that in a process. And we can't waver. We can't have the moments of doubt because doubt's an insidious little thing. It's like Satan's little hook to, dis- to dispel that beautiful relationship between us and Father. You have to be true in that walk, relentless, unwavering. And we can do that because when we do do that, we're truly reminded of the power of God and all that he can do. Ezekiel 37, 1 to 3. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your land. 
then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. We have a country right now that's very riddled with dry bones. Canada was a country filled with dry bones, and yet, through an unexpected act of truckers, Canada is awakening to a deeper understanding of the relationship in God. They're not worshiping Trudeau. They're starting to embrace a simple word, liberty. And that word is so powerful and so meaningful because it's core to the very basis of what God gave us, liberty. We have that here. It's at our core. It's the seed that started this nation. We have to stay focused on that, not on the distractions that are everywhere around us. It's easy to try to hope for somebody else to fix things. We want somebody to rise up, so we hope in truckers. We wanted to have the country fixed by a man. His name was Trump. We looked to churches to lead us, and they failed. We have to stand now as people, children of God, and we have to understand and appreciate truly what the sovereign Lord has offered us. He's offered us life. To give life back to the dry bones. And with that, we then gain the strength not to put our burdens or our hopes or leaning on everything on one group of people because we all have to rise together. The truckers will find their way here as they do their thing. For one thing, truckers are a, are a big family across the world. And each step of the way, each group is doing their own thing. But we as people can't sit on the side as non-truckers waiting for other truckers or truckers to fix things for us because that's not going to make their job any easier or any better. Our role as people, our role as God's children is literally, as I say, every night at the end of the show, to occupy the land and to expand the kingdom. And that means embracing daily that challenge of bringing Christ into the world and expressing that through just our walk in the world. The intimacy and that love of Christ that we have should be radiating from us. It's not something we have to work at. God is great. And God brings your issues to a group. We are a fellowship of people. Why are we here? And that's not a rhetorical question, but it's one that I think everyone needs to take to prayer. Why are we here? I know why I'm here. I'm here because it's part of raising others up, not me. I'm here to push God's message out wherever he takes me. I'm here to use whatever I have to help another. And everything that God has put before me, and I've been taught along a very challenging path that at time has knocked me down so hard I didn't think I could get up, was a reminder that it's not about me. It's about what he needs me to do for others that are around. We've been immersed in a me society, a society that always thinks about my problems, what I'm doing, what I need, blah, blah, blah. That's the worship of me, and there's not me in Christ. There's not me in God. 
There's no selfishness there. And when we start to truly expand out our presence and start to look at how we're going to model a world forward, the one thing that destroys the cabal faster than anything is when we come together in fellowship and start supporting one another. What I love more than anything about what's going on in Canada, I'm not hanging on to whether they're going to overthrow their government or not, which I hope they do. What has changed and transformed Canada forever is that they have reclaimed the spirit of fellowship. They are not just on a local level, but on a national level. If you can imagine, just imagine this for a moment. Let's just say in Bard's Nation we have a million people. Probably do, somewhere around there. We'll make it even a little less dramatic. We'll say 500,000, because I know we have 500,000 in Bard's Nation. And each person, each day, reaches one person that they didn't know. The power of change is unbelievable. In one day, the touching of Bard's Nation now expands to a million. In the next day, that expands to two million. In day three, that expands to four million. In day four, that expands to eight million. In day five, that expands to 16 million. In day six, that expands to 32 million. In day seven, that expands to 64 million. In day seven, that expands to 128 million. You get my drift. Literally, Within 10 days, we've reached most of the country just by touching and reaching one person and having a conversation about Jesus that fast. We say change doesn't happen fast. We say this will endure a long time because we get ourselves locked in the stories and we stop hearing the message of what God's asking us to do. The Bible is a very important text, but I'm not, I've said so many times, those that want to live in the last chapter, you're violating what God said anyway, because only, only God knows the timing of that. Our mission is here and now. And if we're going to occupy the land and expand the kingdom and we say to ourselves, wow, I don't know, that could take a long time. That might take decades. It could. It also could take 10 days. And if you did this on a world level and we all work together with the same purpose, we changed the world in 10 days. Just think about that for a minute. 10 days. I laugh because what's that? Where did that number come up? It came up in Q. 10 days of darkness. How about this? 10 days of light. I don't want any darkness. 10 days of light. 10 days of talking to Jesus. 10 days of reaching out to somebody, all of us working together in unison, the world's not the same place. That is how powerful what we represent and what we are is in a very simple sense. And if you could say that every day you're taking your case to God with every person that you're working with, God's hearing it first Maybe, Bard, maybe it is 500,000 in Bard's nation and God hears a voice of 500,000. And the next day, God hears the voice of a million and so on. Pretty soon, the world is speaking together to God and saying, God, grant us mercy. 
forgive us for our transgressions and our sins. Let our countries be healed. We ask of you. We take our case to you. Intercede on our behalf as your children. We understand that we've walked away from you. We understand that we have not prioritized our lives around you. But now we're here to humble ourselves before you. To ask for another chance. Hear us, Lord. Hear us. Patriots, we have no idea what that would look like because we've never done it. And yet we constantly fall into the trap of wanting to think about going to war. Isn't that funny? I ask somebody, what do you think? How do you think we're going to win this fight? And I guarantee you, if they have any inclination towards guns, it's going to be this. I don't think we're going to avoid this outside of war. I think we're going to end up killing each other. Isn't that a tragedy? I have never heard anybody say to me, we haven't gone far enough yet to take our case to God. You're hearing me say it. I've worked in the information warfare space a long time now. A lot of years. Well over 12, 16 years, I guess. And I would have these conversations regularly with some very good men that I worked with. And I'd always talk about the difference in warfare. And for them, it was like, dude, the real action is when you kick in a door and and you're going after a target, basically shooting them in the face. And I said, okay, that's one bullet and that's one target. But with information warfare, I can touch a country. I can overturn an ideology. I can change the direction of a nation. Can you do that by kicking in a door? And that's when it settled in. So if we apply to the same principle, which we should be, to this war here, which is a war of information, it is a war of lawfare, it is a war of economics, why do we keep trying to pursue their means to win a war that we have dominion over? As a war of information, the first place we should be taking our case is to Father. Not only for mercy and repentance, but to then ask for guidance. If it's a war of information, the first tool in this weapon should not be the headline of the day. It should be the scripture and Bible. And it should be prayer. Because those are the tools that we have that we know work. If we're going to be conquering lawfare, why are we continuing to try to work through a legal system that is based on some maritime law that was generated by the Vatican? Why are we not going back to God's law and simply working that way and not accepting any other? And if we're going to talk about economics, why are we always worried about what they're going to take? Why aren't we building a world of economics built on tithes and giving? Because that's what God's asked us to do. So the three pillars of their fight, we keep going about the same identical way. We fight a hammer with a hammer, except their hammer is a whole lot bigger and a whole lot more organized, and we get the hell beaten out of us. But if we would just stop and we say, nope, we're going to walk this with God. I'm not going to take this to the election poll booth. I'm going to take this to my father first. That's kind of like bringing on the big stick in this game, and we haven't done it well. 
We should be doing that in our first step every step of the way because when God intercedes, there's nothing that gets in his way. But if we ask ourselves in true honesty, in the last 16 years, have we gone to God first or have we looked for solutions in man first? I'd argue most of us have sought solutions in men first. We look for the idols to solve our problems on this material earth because in some way we doubt in our hearts that God can truly fix it. And yet we say it, but if we truly believed it, we wouldn't be relying on these broken institutions to give us hope. We wouldn't be worshiping men like Trump who are, yeah, he's here doing his thing. God's used him as God uses everybody. I, somebody said this to me the other day, and I kind of had, did a head take, head take, and then I realized what they said was absolutely correct. He said, God used Obama too, and I started laughing. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And then I said, wait a minute. If I deny that God allowed Obama, then I would be denying a lot of things about God. Obama did a great thing for us. He woke us up. And we saw how bad the face of things were. So we have a responsibility that we're not meeting, in my opinion. If we're truly walking with Jesus, if we're truly walking as children of God, and we have been given, as we know, and we have been, dominion. Luke ten nineteen. Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. So what does that mean? Does it mean that suddenly I put in my head and I go, oh, good, I'm a tough guy now. No one can touch me. Is that what it means? I doubt that. Because in order to have authority over the enemy, we have to seek the authority from Father. Father is where it comes from. It doesn't come from us. It comes from Father. So in order to have that authority, we need to take our case to Father. We're in a time right now when the enemy is being a big bully. And there's a lot of them, but not more than us. But there's a lot of them, and they're causing a lot of problems. And as a nation of people that are bound and locked in that root of Christ... Where is our plea to Father to say, Father, we're done with this. We're taking our case to you, and we're asking you to be the judge of this land, as was set up even in our Declaration of Independence, because you are the sovereign of this land. You are the king and lord of this land. It was established that way, but we haven't done it. Instead, we talk about Oh, 2022, or when's Trump coming back, which is an incessant conversation that drives me out of my mind. Or white hats are in control. Hang on to the plan, patriots. There is a plan. It's God's plan, and it relies on us having the understanding of who we are. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you that one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. That's red letter language. That's Jesus telling us this. 
greater works than he, I will do? How can that possibly be? Do you see how great we truly are and how great Jesus knew we were? And yet, what do we do? We take 14.12, John 14.12, and we go, okay, uh, thanks, Jesus, but I'm going to go vote, and I'm going to try to get the vote changed with the minion systems in place, and Trump's coming back to save us, and the White Hats are in control, and thanks, Jesus. What a flipping hypocrisy. What a hypocrisy. We need to repent for that in, in itself. You imagine your father and you sit here and you watch your son or daughter and they're going out. You want to help them, but you know very well that they're not going to learn if you tell them. You intercede and you say, don't do that. And they're like, okay. And then they go and they do it again. So how do you solve things? Sometimes they have to fall and fall hard to learn to trust We've fallen pretty hard, and it really can break my heart, and it does. It hurts to watch how far we have fallen, and it should hurt all of us, and it should compel all of us to be on our knees asking for mercy, for forgiveness, but not to stay there. That's it. That's part of the problem is that we end up staying there. And then we're like, mercy, mercy, mercy. And God's like, okay. But when are you going to get up and start taking your authority in the world? And that's the step. And when we take that step and we go to that step as one people, this world changes. And people say, well, what do I do? You follow God. Well, what about my, what about they're going to take away my bank account. Who do you trust, the bank or God? I'm serious here. Well, uh, I'm, they're going to use a COVID pass. Okay, then don't accept it. Well, what do I do? Do you have a fellowship of God's children? Yes. Then what's the problem? If we have a fellowship and we have trust in God, it sounds to me like we have an amazing community that will work together to overcome as God intended. But, 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 but what about my job? What about your job? Are you working inside the system or are you working with the fellowship of God? Maybe you have to start over. Okay. Okay. I, I, okay. But, 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 but what about the law? What about the law? Are you doing something wrong? Well, well, what happens if they come to my door and, and they inject me? Have they done that or have they threatened to do that? They've threatened. Then are you afraid of something that they're saying? And if you are, then maybe you should go talk to God again because in the relationship with Christ and Father, there is no fear. You see, patriots, how easy this starts to unwind and how basic it is and how masterful their attack on us is because all they're doing is dropping threats and threats and threats. And all we're doing is we keep listening instead of going to Father and taking our plea to Him. We are not of them. We are of Father. 
We are not of this world. And yet we keep finding the reasons to anchor ourselves in this world through the material things and the obsession of debt and are worried about our credit card debt and worried about paying our taxes and worrying about paying our mortgage and over-debting ourselves because we've got to have this new house, we've got to get bigger, we've got to get a new car, we've got to get this, we've got to get that. Holy cow. It's like, put the brakes on there, Charlie. We have the one thing I, if, I will tell you this. I'll put it like this. If there were species across the universe, uncounted species, I will guarantee you that they would be surrounding this earth to get hold of us because of one thing. We have something no one else has. And what is that? We have been given life in the image of God. We were created in God's image. Do you understand the magnitude of that? That means that God has birthed us with dominion over all evil, with the promises to do greater things in Jesus. That's starting to sound like he's creating the inheritors of things. Isn't that amazing? And yet we're squandering it by worrying about these ridiculous institutions of men falling to the fears of masks, uh, complying with this rejection of our DNA by having them inject us because we have a fear which they gave us, which we accepted. And all along, we're of God. Wow. We need more Jesus. And we need more trust. And fundamentally, as a nation, this stuff would end. I'm not worried about who's coming to my door. I'm not worried about being pulled over by some FEMA checkpoint. I'm not worried about a sheriff trying to bring up his posse to try to round me up. (laughs) Kind of did that already. And it was okay. I told you before, the craziest event of my life, and I'm not going to get into it tonight. But when you get thrown in jail for 20 days and you find more Jesus inside jail than you do outside jail, there's something pretty crazy going on there. And I'm dead serious what I just said. The most brilliant mind of the scriptures, as far as knowing scripture, I'm not saying he had researched them, but knowing them by heart. I want you to hear this. The only person I have ever met that literally had the Bible nearly memorized front to back, I am not exaggerating, was a guy that was the head enforcer for the Crips, which means he was the head assassin for the Crips. He had spent time in Sing Sing. Or Folsom, I'm sorry. And he literally had the Bible memorized from front to back. I'm not exaggerating. Now, how does that happen in jail when we out here have everything around us and we have a hard time finding people to know a single verse. That's something to think about. So, the challenge, we need to have Bard's Nation find one person every day to talk about Jesus that we don't know. And then we need to encourage that person to join us to talk about Jesus the next day. They don't have to be perfect in understanding Jesus. 
We just want to bring people to Jesus. And we'll change the world. And it will happen fast. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're truly humbled this evening as we sit before you, knowing how far our nation has drifted from you. We've developed this separatism and elitism in a sense of our world, each of us clinging on to the things that we think are righteous. For those that took the vax, they think they're righteous. They think they've done the right thing to do good for others. And we're guilty because as a non-vax, we tend to look at them as untouchable, as they look at us as untouchable, and we all reinforce this rift. As a nation, we keep seeking to solve our problems by going to elections and institutions of man and corrupt institutions and thinking that somehow they're going to do the right thing when we know that at the very core, they're corrupt. Forgive us, Lord. We have played a foolish game. We have continued to repeat this foolish cycle. And we do so out of many motives, but in the end, it all points to one thing. We don't trust in you enough, Father. Forgive us for our transgressions. Forgive us for these sins. We ask for repentance before you this tonight. Father, we understand how easy it would be if we would simply come together and unite in a common prayer together to start seeking you to be the throne of our nations. And why so many people hold back on that, it's hard to say. There's many, many reasons. But we're here tonight before you, humbly before you, being reminded of the authorities which you have given us to walk on snakes and scorpions, authority over all the power of the enemy, the reminder from Jesus that we can do greater works than he. And we're humbled and we're moved to realize how silly we have been as your children. how immature we have walked in the time we've been here. Father, we need to grow up. And we're here tonight to ask you for that grace to let us grow up, to let us start to realize more who we are, to start opening our hearts to the responsibility of who we are. And to start acting like your children rather than orphans running around the field. Forgive us, Father. Give us grace in this land. Give us mercy. We seek to heal this nation. We seek to bring health back to this nation. And we seek to expunge this evil. But we pray for them as well. Because as dark as they are, we also know that while the hand of justice can be brutal, 
the hand of salvation can be greater than any force known to man. Guide us, lead us, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us the wisdom we need to stand as your children that are now growing up. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, patriots. Lots of us to reflect on, but we can make this change. And we shouldn't be recoiling each time to when things go bad to trying to think about some version of the sword of steel. And I talk about that a lot. I've trained enough with guns, as many have. I train each day with a sword of steel for real. But it's a process of reflection that ultimately you work so much at those techniques that you seek never to use them. But the sword of the Spirit is greater than all of them. Words carry life and death. And that's what we should be seeking. We should be seeking life. And we should be seeking the power of the sword of the Spirit in its mighty way. Because what's before us is only as great of an evil as we make it. Because we do have dominion over all evil. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Prayers for our nation. Prayers for the healing of our nation and the mercy of God. We need to take our case to Father. Not to these courts. Not to this government. But to Father. And that means we have to believe and trust in him in a way like never before. Because Father is with us. He's never forsaken us. He's just asked that we trust in him. And yes, God will win. But our mission is here now in this time, in this place, for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. 1 p.m. Pacific. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove That we could stand here too All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose
lights down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Thank、you.